0: Archon, strategy that hurts. And welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. Today we're playing Archon. Uh, Archon has a lot of similarities to chess, but it's not chess. Are we surprised that we haven't seen more traditional tabletop games? We had Othello pretty, uh, you know, pretty recently, but also not recently. If you think about these things only coming out like weekly, that makes it seem like it was further away. What are you guys thoughts? Should we have gotten a chess game before a uh, video game adaptation of a game similar to chess? I don't think so.
1: I mean the I think that I'm surprised that we haven't seen more tabletop like games that utilize the fact that it's a video game in an interesting way, like chess, great, yeah, put it on the n e s but like I can also just play chess, whereas this is like you couldn't do this like it's it's nice to see something a little different than just what you can do on the tabletop
2: i I also don't know how um how recently like computer controlled chess was even possible. Like, I know that it was definitely in the eighties that it was like, like a, Oh, a computer can, can actually play chess against a human and, and put up a fight. But I don't know, like, would that have been an NES thing? I mean, that, that's like my, at least why we wouldn't have a chess game. Maybe not like a checkers game. Maybe we should have had a checkers game. Um, but I, I guess they had to make up their own game to, to get that idea across.
0: I don't really know the, uh, the early computer chess games and stuff like that, but I have to imagine that if video games, even the concept of them, was around in the 60s, that certainly people were also fiddling around with like chess computer engines back then, but clearly not the same kind of computer chess that you're referring to, Sean. I'm not trying to give you a gotcha. <laughs>
2: I mean, you know, it's also an NES, like it's whatever, whatever hardware they were using. It's probably better than this.
0: <laughs> right. Right. I feel like, you know, they, there was probably somebody way back when who made it this way. Yeah. it had no graphical interface or whatever, but it could, you could give a computer the information and it could tell you the next move that then you would have to uh, manually use the chessboard to put the piece where it wanted it.
2: <laughs> but there would be no fun, uh, little, like, uh, arena arcade in the middle there, so I-, I think we're better off with what we got.
0: Yeah, you're right, Sean, because this isn't chess, uh, even, even if the similarities, uh, are that, like, pieces have a certain amount of moves that each one can make, so, like, you know, in, in chess, pawns can't move the same way that bishops can, this game also has units that can't, that move uniquely, and it kind of has a checkered board 8x8, eight eight, but this is a 9x9, nine nine, and it's not fully alternating colors it's kind of there's sections
2: it's kind of breathing
0: right <laughs> light and dark and they change based on the time and stuff like that to maybe i should break this down a little easier you know there, there's two sides there's a there's a light side and a dark side and uh the light side let's say um there, you know the reason why i say light side and dark side and not white pieces and black pieces is because the teams are even different it's unique based on whether you're on the light or the dark so you have uh 18 pieces on each side Uh, The board is nine by nine squares and you win the game by having one of your units on each of the five PowerPoint squares, which is not something that uh, is possible in chess at all. These are basically squares that are specifically designated as, hey, if you have a unit in all five of these, you automatically win the game. Think of like some... Harry Potter Quidditch, yeah, bullshit, that's where Quidditch like, shit. yeah, it's like, yeah, they have like, it's pretty much soccer, and then all of a sudden there's this snitch that you can also just grab Wait, I don't, and automatically I don't, win the game.
1: I'll, I don't know if I agree with that analogy at all because Quidditch is a very dumb rule. Like, there's a very dumb rule that ruins the game of Quidditch. I think this is actually a very interesting. Like, this is almost like, uh, this is what makes the game interesting to me.
0: Oh yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not saying it either way. I guess what I'm, I'm saying is that in chess, there's only one way to win. It's to sure pin pin the king so that he is in checkmate and can't possibly make a move that, other you know, basically any other move would also kill him, so therefore the game is over. In this, there's, like, the win state of having five PowerPoint squares or removing all opposing pieces from the board or imprisoning the last remaining creature uh, on the opposing side so that they can't move anywhere either.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I would say that overall this is not, like, as one-to-one to chess as like it seems at first, like like it's it's clearly clearly inspired by chess and clearly like supposed to be like a a, a take on a chess like game, but it is not like an advanced or like altered version of chess. Like it's very clearly its own game with like yeah. some DNA from chess.
2: It, it's almost like the um it, a, a lot of it is just um. Cosmetically similar to chess, and it's actually closer to like a a grid-based tactical fighter, like a, a not not XCOM, but uh, like an Endless Legend, where on this grid, if you if you go to into battle via the grid with another character, then you go into like a tinier battle within that grid to actually figure out what's going to be the end state. Um, but yeah. I, I get that it's not it's not going for that
0: right because the difference here obviously is that in chess uh, the, the pawn is it's totally possible for the pawn to even go as far as check mating it's not that the pawn is not as powerful as the queen it's just that the movement is different but certainly all pieces can beat other pieces if the queen is diagonal to the pawn the pawn can capture it on the next move here the you know any piece has the uh ability to take down another piece it's just not you don't remove the piece by landing on it and instead when you land on the opposing piece the two pieces uh battle it out it's uh it brings you into an arena based on the uh color of the board so there's neutral uh light and dark so in neutral, it's an even battle. In a light square, it's uh, heavily favoring the light side. And in a dark square, it's heavily fav- favoring the dark side. And even aesthetically, the graphics kind of change a little bit uh, and change the kind of sprites that you see on screen. However, in this battle, it is a one-on-one real-time combat system. There is no, uh, there's no strategy here. This is where the action combat comes into play. And uh, whoever wins, uh, based on the uh, losing HP first whoever uh, takes the piece, then they get that square and the other piece is removed from the board. So, uh, you know, this actually has, a has like, a Harry Potter element to it too, right, uh, Joe? Where, like, there's that in the Sorcerer's Stone, the, they play the chess. Yeah, the, the wizard's is, chess. Right, yeah, and they actually fight.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a really cool. I don't know that if, in Harry Potter, though, if there's ever, like, a way where it's like, hey, you've made the correct move in chess to take it, but, like, the other... I actually never thought of that, like that the other um, defending opponent could like just be stronger and still kill you. Um, I assume it's not, but that is one thing that's cool about this too, is like the strategy all comes from trying to attack your opponent when they're on a square that gives you the advantage and not be attacked while you're on a square that gives them the advantage. Um, But yeah, it's totally possible to be like a very weak character Uh, or you know a weak player being attacked or a weak piece or whatever being attacked by a strong piece and like if you're just just that skilled at like action based video games you might still win it's just going to be a lot harder that way so like if you're not good at that you better rely heavily on the strategy to give you as many advantages as
0: possible
2: Um, Mike can you tweet JK Rowling to confirm um, whether or not that's how that game worked
0: yeah, I hear she's pretty active on social media these days.
2: Yeah, I just I know that like, you can get some information that way. Um, but no, like I, I I like that there are two different variables that go into like what should I try and like am I going to be able to win this fight? You've got different grades of hero. Like you've got the pawn equivalent, which are you know they can just go stabby stabby or bashy bashy. And then all of like the back row characters have some kind of special skill, uh, whether it's uh, like the golems that just throw a really big rock or um, the the Phoenix, which is sort of explodes itself over and over. Like there's a lot of asymmetry and, and uh, variety in uh, power but then you also add that sort of environmental changes like you've got the the pieces you've got the board uh board squares that are always going to favor one of the other and then you've got all these central areas that uh it's all about timing whether it's going to favor you or not um so it it, it leads to a lot of at least room for strategy
1: yeah and it's and it's heavily layered too because like yeah, we. I mean, maybe I'm just repeating what you just said, Sean. But like, you're we're we're talking about the strategy of the actual board movement, but then also like, yeah, using the the different stats of the different characters. You got to think like. Yes, it makes sense, like that By you know, let's the unicorn can go take out this uh, you know, gall or whatever I'm trying to think of. Things on the, the dragon. But you gotta think about like, well, okay, but what's my unicorn's attack and how fast is it and how much health does it have? And yeah,
2: uh, have I been attacked recently and exactly. will I have less yeah. health, yeah. Yeah.
1: And like the you know, what's the stats of the thing I'm attacking? So there's like even though the action part is not quite as like just a strategy game as like the board part, there's still like that Action video game strategy, you have to think about like okay, what's the best strategy for this character against this character like it really goes pretty deep if you think of you know those action segments are very simple like they're which is nice, which I think was is necessary for a game like this. They're very simple to play, but it's but everyone has a different you know stat set.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about the actual combat because I feel like most people can visualize the, the chessboard pieces and, you know, how that part of the game works, even if you don't know. The five PowerPoint squares are just essentially the, uh like, the, the a cross on the screen with the middle piece being the, uh the middle center piece being the fifth point. And yeah. if you can somehow, you know, I think that's great because then there's uh two side three sides in the middle of the board and then one on each side for the light and dark. So this way you can't just run to race to these squares and call game over, you would have to definitely get into some kind of combat yeah. with the opposing and side.
2: Because the, the default space that like the King or slash queen equivalent um, or just the most powerful unit on the board for each team, their default space is one of those power spaces.
0: Right. So to get away from the strategy for a second, I'd like to stay on the, the combat Which you both have uh, alluded to is a little simple, uh, but still has some problems, uh, I think. Even even if it is, it's great on one hand that it is fast. Uh, It would suck if these then took you into very long battles that decide the outcome uh, of something that by the time you got back to the board, you were kind of like, wait, what was my strategy? What was I going for, you know, to have to recalibrate between the scenes? It's nice that they're fast, but I don't think there's actually enough going on in this combat, even between the different units. To make this part of the game fun uh this real-time action is uh top down and most enemies other than the uh the pawn units most enemies shoot like a projectile bullet that doesn't uh doesn't shoot often I think some of them have like a faster reload than others but it's hard to tell when you're like good to shoot again uh and especially in squares where it's you know, you're you're heavily favored or heavily disfavored based on the uh, light or dark square, this can be a huge problem for the other unit. And I feel like the game lost a little bit of its balance in the actual combat versus the proposed uh, idea of this combat.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't know if I agree. Because I, you know, I think that if it were any less simple, I think you'd be taking away from the overall game. Like, like I feel like this is here as, like, a means to just add something that you have to think about when you go to attack like okay now will i be able to take on this person i i thought that these sections well i will say i'm not good at them when i'm playing against the computer um so like maybe that that you know if i get a little better at them i'll I'll like them even more but um but these sections are very easy to like pick up and like like that's all you kind of need like it's just like the it's just the Extra bit of strategy to add to it, and like you said, I, I'm glad that it's not any longer. But like as far as the the recharging of your attack or of your projectile, I mean, I think that that's also meant to be part of it. You, you know, each each character has a different recharge rate, and you have to think about that as you're as you're attacking who you're attacking. Like, oh, this guy recharges really fast. Um, and also, I don't know if you noticed, but each the light side has like a, like a high pitched chime that tells you when you're reloaded. And the dark side has a low pitch chime that tells when they're reloaded. So you always know, if you're if you're listening to that, when each player is ready to shoot, even your enemy. So you can like use that to be like, okay, he's ready to shoot. I better kind of like try and bait that out of him and like, okay, I'm ready to shoot now I can attack.
2: Yeah, I, I think the, the one thing that bothered me uh, in the actual combat sequences wasn't so much the simplicity of it because I agree that that was the right choice in something like this it was more so that there's there's a bit of jankiness um especially when you're maneuvering around the little obstacles which I think it's it's necessary just so that like like all these obstacles need to be there just to add some asymmetry to the, the arena so it's not just like, alright, you shoot him and he shoots you and stand on the other side of the room. Uh, like in some they're they're their like gravestones, and some they're rocks, and some they're like weird statues um but whenever you're maneuvering around those like the the game doesn't know what to do with collision it seems like it 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 sort of will pop you all around the 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 obstacle in question and spit you out somewhere uh touching it i, I can't i don't know if i'm doing a very good job of describing what this feels like but it's almost like the equivalent of in an online game, like weird rubber banding, and you just end up in a in a strange spot. I don't know if you guys experienced this. Did you? Yeah, De- I did. It, it's like
0: a bounce. It bounces you around on the on those obstacles. So instead of being able, like you, you're either clipping through them on accident, or they're like p- pushing you back so hard that uh, it screws up your movement.
2: <laughs> and it's not even like it doesn't even show. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's supposed to be done on purpose. It it feels like it's not. Doing a calculation correctly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's weird because it's like these things are supposed to be solid objects, but they made it so it's like yeah, you 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 can use them as cover for cover and stuff, which I think is what they're for and like what I like about them. But it's like yeah, you weirdly blink through them, like but but yeah, like you said not necessarily in the direction you're going. Sometimes it'll pop you somewhere else. So it's like they're helpful, but they're also kind of harmful, and it does not feel like it's necessarily like a designed challenge yeah
0: and i think my problem with the action sequences is that they make me doubt the premise of the game where like you know you might be down but you're not out because any uh unit can take on any other unit sometimes in these action sequences it really feels untrue that idea that if you have a um what are they like knights or whatever um yeah the piece is the knight if you have a knight and it's going up against uh the dragon you know or or even like a basilisk or something especially if it's in a neutral or dark colored square this is going to basically be an unwinnable fight the computer uh, would really have to screw up badly for an extended period of time given the health bar bonuses that they get for being in those particular squares and just how much more powerful they are again like i get that it's probably supposed to go down that way it's just that if the hook was that any anything can happen on this board and that just your, uh, your positioning alone doesn't mean that you're in a better spot. I- I'm on two fences about it because there's, there's the obvious thing that like this is great for the light and dark pieces of the board because that actually means that it matters where you place your units, right? That uh, you would want to always kind of occupy, if you're playing on the light side, light squares. So this way, anybody who dare challenge you has to play on your field. And that's great for strategy. But then there's other times where, you know, you are low on health to begin with, and now one of these uber-powerful pieces just kind of comes in and, and and walks the floor with you. It doesn't feel um, as strategic at that point. It almost feels like the the stronger characters can just kind of brute force their way past the other enemies
1: well I, I don't want to be the guy who just keeps disagreeing with everything but but i disagree <laughs> um because i i think that what's so cool about that is that it's like it is it is what it what it meant to be is like yeah this is like this thing will probably kill you but it's possible like if you get yourself in a point into a position where you're like shit like all i have left is like this pawn and they've got their dragon left it's like yeah you're gonna have to pull out this like this like come from behind almost impossible victory which is very unlikely but it can happen and it's like it it, it simulates that like that underdog story you know it's like that's the whole idea like even if you're like pinned down by like the enemy in like how you would be on a chessboard like you still have that last like hey maybe if i'm just if i if i can do if i can come in clutch enough i can like just barely scrape by with, like, this crazy skill of this, like, one knight going against a fire-breathing dragon. Like, like that uh, part of it seems really cool to me, where it's, like, this mix of strategy versus your own actual skill.
2: Like, yeah, twitch reflex stuff.
1: Yeah, like, that part was what drew me to the game, like, the most, I think.
2: And and I would say, like, some of the... Like, this is sort of exacerbated by some of, like, the frame perfectness that the computer has, like, with the unicorn... To be specific, uh, any any unit that has a uh, projectile weapon uh, has a different speed associated with that projectile, and most of them are kind of like shmup level speed, where you can maneuver around them depending on how, how fast your unit is. However, like the unicorn, basically shoots a bullet and it travels like many inches across the screen. Uh, per frame I feel like and it's just almost impossible to dodge if you're playing against the computer however I think if you were playing against another human who may not have like perfect input uh, it would be a lot more even uh, and, and more of like a, a fighting chance for you as the weaker character um, so I think a lot of this is just yeah exacerbated by a perfect computer
1: yeah, and I agree. I mean, so I did play against the computer and a human, and while I lost against the human as well, and I did eventually win against the computer, I do think it is easier against a human because it's like, you're both kind of like, oh, like this is hard to, you know, you're both like, this is hard to react to, but, um, but you know, for like, uh, I mean I'm sure we'll talk more about like the idea of balance later but like as far as the unicorn the the dark side does also have a, a sort of almost equivalent to the unicorn where he has a, a weapon that is just as fast and a and it's actually a little stronger but the difference is he has a shorter HP bar and that's the um, basilisk so it's like yeah those feel a little like OP but also it's like you have one too. But, yeah, I guess I get what you're saying. If you're playing against a computer, it still might
0: feel unfair because the computer is the computer. (laughs) Like, you can just do it. (laughs) Yeah. Right, and I guess, like, a lot of what I'm going to say might just come down to, um, you know, a question of skill and such. But if you think about chess, right, uh, both sides have exactly the same pieces. They don't behave any differently at all. And that's the kind of game where if you capture enough pieces early on, then it is, you know, for the right skill level, it is a one game, right? Once you're, like, plus eight, there's no real chance that the the other opponent's gonna get past you because you were already smart enough to take uh, eight points away from them in a chess game. Here, yeah, you're both being given the same types of units. Maybe they're creatively named and look differently. uh, But I don't think, like, that's not really what the balance is, right? The balance isn't that they gave everybody the same kind of unit and you all have the same tools. I'm talking about just even the balance between how the units behave in the fights themselves and what that ultimately means for pace of play and the idea that like it's anybody's game and stuff like that. It's great that we both have uh, a unicorn equivalent and such, but it doesn't help the, uh, you know, the fact that most unicorns are going to kill almost all uh pawn units well, you know at the end of the day like that they don't really stand a chance yeah but that's I-, I would the... like to, did you tell me that you beat one of the stronger units with your with i your did pawn i, I did as well
1: and, yeah yeah and that's really cool like it's it didn't happen often i think it happened like once maybe twice but it was really cool when it did and i was like oh i might actually be able to turn this game around now but like that's the other thing is like of course like Go when my pawn goes up against like their you know the the sorceress. I'm like, well, I'm screwed. But like that's also on me as like not putting my pawn in that position. In chess, if if your pawn goes up against something that's in a position to kill it, it's just gonna kill it. You know. Whereas this, it's like, oh, all right, maybe I could survive. Like, yeah, no. I mean, I, I'm not I, saying I like this that. is better than chess. I'm just saying it's a different <laughs> idea. <laughs>
2: that's the headline. Yeah, <laughs> Archon better than chess as Joe. <laughs>
0: No, I and I'm not saying that chess is better than this either, vice versa, you know. Uh, I think the hill that I'm willing to die on is that the reason why we don't get, uh, like, a chess 2 is that it's very hard to find true balance in these kinds of games, and there are ultimately, like, exploits against them that keep the, uh, the you know, 1,000-year-old chess game uh, still relevant today. That, like, that is, you know... The idea of that is... is is the strategy that are built around those particular pieces and how they seem to work well. And that there used to be pieces back in the day that behaved a little differently. And they said, Hey, we should get rid of that and and fix it. And I'm sure there's still room for improvement, even in chess, right. Of like, maybe it turns out white is just too powerful his ability to go first and everything, these things don't actually matter for the actual game. I just think the idea of the units themselves, like it's not as cool as a tactics game because of the way that uh, it, it sets out uh, as a chessboard, whereas like in a tactics game it's not uh, you know it's not just checkerboard pieces it, it's actually like a map and there's and you know you put you push units together and you think about like you know there's a little bit of like wartime combat involved in that and this is more one-to-one with chess and therefore has the same flaws as a chess game I,
2: I would say that it's not it's not quite as one-to-one with chess just because like it, it sort of is simulating that Uh, asymmetric environment with the the changing uh like pitch of each square um i I think that that adds like the kind of complexity um that like makes it less of a chess game and more of a tactics game
1: yeah and i think that like the i think that the only other thing that like is still that i'm still kind of hanging on is that like what we're talking about with like yeah, the, the the pawn, or we keep calling it a pawn, whatever. The knight versus the basilisk, like that being unbalanced. That's an unbalanced, like in that particular battle. But that's not a, that doesn't make the game unbalanced. Like you you know what I mean? Like it's like if you go up against, in any video game, if you go up against an enemy that's stronger than you, you wouldn't say this whole game's unbalanced. Like oh, maybe you got to go level up, or maybe you got to go to you know this is like yeah the whole this you got into that position. You're somehow, your opponent did something or you did something that got you into that position where you're going to get attacked by it. Could have gone the other way, but like the whole game as a whole, we have to look at it as like the entire thing as like, is it balanced? And I think they, I'm not saying that necessarily did it perfectly, but I think they did a good job of making the dark side enemies and the light side enemies balanced. So like, what if that happens to you? You could also do that to them, like you know. And it and and you have to think about like how can I get myself in a position where I'm not having these unbalanced battles, or or I am having unbalanced battle- battles that are unbalanced in my favor. So it's like I just think that the way those two things marry together is like your strategy informs how you will play the action side of it. Is like is the is the point, you know?
2: And, and I think we we haven't entirely uh, we haven't. Painted the whole picture because it isn't entirely balanced in terms of like oh the the knight is the equivalent of the goblin and yada yada uh, because each side also has one unique character uh, the phoenix which again is at the light side and that just blows itself up and you just sort of like try and blow up next to the guy and then the dark side has the like met- metamorpha dude the m- the shapeshifter shapeshifter yeah. and that just you know makes it. Perfectly balanced and is kind of lame, but uh, that th- those do add to um add some extra levels to it as well I think
1: yeah, and when I first kind of saw that that like first of all, not only are there different enemies, but like some of the enemies that are like the the mirror equivalent, they have slight different stats like they'll have a, a boost in one thing and a, and a lack in the other, and it'll be like slightly different and I'm on the fence of whether or not like I prefer that or I prefer it like to be no. There's an equal on each side, so that way like no matter which side you play, there's not one side that could possibly have an advantage. Like once you played it enough, I-, I do like that they're different. I like that you could try it differently. I mean, I would also kind of really like if they were totally um not all equal, but like the sorceress was exactly equal to the to the wizard, and then the the you know the knight was exactly equal to the. Whatever the, the goblin. The goblin. Like, so, yeah. so that way it's even but that didn't bother me too much. But yeah, the shapeshifter thing seemed cool, but I just didn't feel like there was enough of a unique thing on the other side to be cool. You know, like the the I don't know, the what was the it? The Phoenix. The Phoenix is pretty similar to the Banshee on the dark side. Oh yeah. Whereas like there's nothing like a shapeshifter on the light side. I think there's like something that's unique on the light side, which is like the I don't the, the genie? maybe yeah but like it just didn't seem as unique it's like it felt like they were trying to like throw a little wrench into it and make it like oh here's like the here's like the sleeper for each side but just felt like one was like way more unique than the other
0: (laughs) uh i thought the genie actually the genie i think has maybe like the fastest shot speed and a a really large health bar so i think that's like he's he's very powerful too, compare comparatively
1: yeah and then on the other hand the shapeshifter is like well okay you're you're gonna take the shape of exactly whatever attacks you which seems like so you're not even getting an advantage you're getting like equal (laughs) whereas like the so like that felt a little weird
0: which creates a weird problem with the shapeshifter versus like say the phoenix
2: yeah that was specifically pointed out on the wikipedia page so i just had to try it out and it was really funny it actually took several several
0: minutes and even the phoenix as a unique piece, um I, I hated it. If I was playing on the light side, uh, the explosion thing is is very awkward and kind of traps you in a. Uh, you're stuck while that animation's going on, and so most likely, if the you know computer or human is smart enough, they'll just wait until your explosion animation is done. If you didn't manage to hit them, and then they get a free hit when you spawn back in. Yeah,
1: my strategy with the phoenix was just try and take out the banshee with it as soon as possible because the banshee had like a similar thing but it it i think it's more powerful but it doesn't shield itself with its explosion whereas you do oh yeah so like i would just be like okay well at least i can get some use out of this phoenix before something else kills it because (laughs) anything with a projectile usually would kill me when i had the phoenix (laughs)
0: So pieces move differently in this game than in chess too, where it's, you know, you get three spaces for most things. Some get four, some get five, but it's also ground or flying or teleporting as opposed to just, you know, I, I guess like the knight in chess comes the closest to the flying creatures in the sense that they can hop over other units, but they give you two different, you know, there's two different options there. It's the type of um, movement you're doing and the amount of spaces you can go. And so if you have three spaces as the troll, you don't have to go forward. You don't have to go uh, behave like a rook where you can only move uh, in rows. It's like you can go anywhere you want three spaces. And so that also creates some unique uh, situations on the board where you you could think about like where you want to position your units for the PowerPoint squares. If you want to lump a bunch of guys together so that you can keep fighting to take back a PowerPoint square against like, you know, one unit at a time. That, you know, both options are viable, but you have the ability rather than thinking like, all right, well, my troll only moves in L-shaped directions, so I have to think about how I'm going to get him to this particular pace. That that doesn't happen in this game.
2: No, and I think that that's another that's another point that makes it like closer to a turn based tactics game where it's it's literally just a movement Uh, a a movement count Uh, I think if they added like the only kind of movement was specific to each piece then the 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 chess analogies would be even more inevitable and like you can't really say that it's not trying to be chess anymore Um, so I think that was also a, a like a good decision
0: the sorceress and the wizard also have the ability, besides being some of the strongest pieces, they have the ability to cast spells. Uh, they can heal, shift time, uh, revive, which is a really cool idea, uh, similar to, again, in chess, where you get to the other end of the board and you can change your piece. This time, it's like you can't change your piece, but instead you can uh, bring back a piece from the dead. The other thing about all these spells is that you can only use them once per game, not one spell for the entire game, but. Once you revive a unit, that is, uh, that is the end of your revive. So you might want to think about that before uh, wasting it early on or something. I think, uh, I think the ability to lock these as a one-time use it makes it, like it, it actually complements the idea of the whole strategy thing, but also just of the spells in general so that wizards and sorceresses don't have this sense of unlimited power where they should be Removed from the game almost, you know, like, uh, don't bother putting them into play because you can just use them as your spellcasters from afar. Instead, you're kind of encouraged to, uh, you know, to get them into the battle as well. And, you know, because they're powerful and they can take down enemies that are, are posing a threat.
1: Well, also, it's, it's like, gives you this strategy of like, do I want to use my, you know, my summon spell right now or do I want to wait until I really need it later? Because the longer you wait, the more likely you are, like the enemy, is to take out your wizard, you know, because as strong as the wizard is, he has a very small HP bar. So it's like it—it it really adds to like the decision making. I think
0: I couldn't find anything about the NES version specifically, but the developers uh, mentioned in their interview with Compute Gazette that in the computer games, at least, the computer adapts over time in an individual game to help the player defeat the computer so that the longer the game goes on, the computer actually behaves uh, worse to allow the (laughs) computer, uh, to allow the player to win uh, rather than the computer getting tougher and honing in on its victory. I don't know if you guys experienced that at all. Yeah. I I thought that was an interesting note from them. Uh, You know, I guess like in some ways, if there was a difficulty mode for that, like a selection of, you know, beginner or advanced and the beginner mode did that, that would be a good way to learn Right, how to like face up against the computer, but even then you're not really learning because it's just getting easier. But I think there should have been an option.
1: <laughs> I did win against the computer, but now I'm thinking like now I'm thinking back on like the moment where I was like, oh my god, I really turned this around, and thinking like, oh maybe the computer just started getting stupider as time went on.
2: I really don't know how like what capability like what what it, what it was even what is the AI actually doing when it does that. Because usually when I think of uh, difficulty in a game of this generation, it's like a numerical thing. Like it's either more or less health, uh, uh, more. I'm guessing or it less misses powerful. fire on purpose. Yeah, but like how how does it do that? I I, I just I don't know if the NES was capable of, of something like that. <laughs> it it could also
1: give like less than optimal make op- less than optimal decisions like in where to go.
2: I suppose, like, on the, on the board makes more sense.
1: Yeah. I do remember thinking that, like, one time I was playing and, and I, was, I was having a real hard time getting all the PowerPoint squares, and then, like, at one point I was like, well, why didn't they just go there? They could have stopped me, and they didn't. And then I won. So, like, maybe that had something to do with it, too.
0: The NES port also has a new gameplay rule that encourages combat. So if no battle has been fought for, I think it's 12 rounds, the game automatically ends in a stalemate. That was not present in any of the other versions. Probably not something that's going to happen if you're just, like, picking this game up and playing it either. Like, there's no reason to avoid combat. But I could see situations in, like, really high-level play where uh, they want you to encourage to continue fighting rather than being uh, reserved about your units.
1: Yeah, I think especially if you're playing against another person who and you both really know how to play, and then there's, like, somebody's trying to... Yeah, if there's some strategy or something, that, that gives people
0: uh, incentive. Chess has a rule like that, too, where you can't make um, the same move three times in a row, and that, that would also cause a stalemate. Mm. Um, did we mention the Lumina squares at all? Those are the uh, power br- points, right? Yeah, we briefly... No. Br- no, this is the ones that changed uh, over time, Oh, right? yeah,
2: yeah, okay. Yeah, we
0: briefly mentioned it, but I think we should go into more detail about it, because that's the... That's the board strategy, right? Like, that's what makes this board stand out as opposed to, again, if it was a checkerboard, you would just always stay in the light squares and not have to worry about, you know, the dark side being overpowered against you. Here, because there's kind of a, a zone, particularly in the middle, but it is kind of spread out. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It looks yeah, a little bit it's, like it's
2: a Yeah, it's like, it is a cross. It, it's right. sort of uh, bringing all of the, the, those power squares together. Um... But that's sort of what I was talking about when I was talking about uh, the, like, sort of an analogy for uh, the terrain and environment, if this were being compared more to, like, a tactics game on ground, uh, whereas, like, uh, like, instead of, oh, it's darker light, like, oh, this has, like acid on it and like this sort of like zone of control um area denial that you see in more complex tactics games but it's more like shifting uh it's like pulsing instead of the player or the uh, enemy having actual control over how that shifts
1: yeah and it really informs a lot of the decision making as well because like so, because of where the cro- this cross of squares that are constantly changing, it's like a day-night cycle. So they get lighter and lighter, and then they get darker and darker. So, like the darker it is, the more of advantage the the dark side gets, and the lighter it is, the more of the advantage the light side gets. But um, but the what I thought was cool is that it, they it goes through, like you said, all of those PowerPoint squares. So that makes you think like, oh, I can capture this PowerPoint square pretty early. But throughout the game, that PowerPoint square will become a major disadvantage to you, and that'll, that'll That that opens up the enemy to attack you on a square. So, like, you don't want to be on those squares for too long. But you need to be on five of them at once in order to win the game. So, it's like, it's tough. It's tough to win that way, to be honest. Like, I feel like in all the games that I've played, only, like, one or two matches ended that way. Most of the matches ended, like, with with both sides trying to get there and one side just running out of pieces from dying in battle over and over again.
0: Yeah, I think the PowerPoint squares are necessary to encourage combat situations in it, all over the board, right? So this way, it, you have to go over to the other side. You have to try to keep control of the middle of the board. You're not just trying to uh, get to the other side, right? So I, I think that that encourages what is going to be the likely outcome of just the other, uh, the opposing team lost all their units, and that's how you're probably going to get into a win state instead of the um the PowerPoint squares, or you're going to, because of these fights, eventually have one have way too many units compared to the other, and then take the PowerPoint squares that way. There's not, um there's not like a, at least I could th- I can't think of a unique situation where early on in the game, somebody could just, Grab all five squares by tricking the other player, by making them like come out and go to unexpected places and then take those squares without being like, you know, a heavy war zone. I-, I-, I couldn't see that happening.
1: Yeah. When I, when I, the first match that I played, you know, neither me nor my opponent knew how to play. We hadn't read the manual or anything. So we were just like, just playing and we were just attacking each other. And I was kind of like, oh, this is dumb. There's no actual strategy. There's no reason for this to be on a board. You know, like you just you just keep moving until you can attack the person you want to attack, and we just did that until someone was totally out of pieces. Then, after reading the manual, I was like, "Oh, this is an entirely different game, just because of the lumina squares and the power points." Like, just adding those two elements made this like, "Oh, there is a lot of strategy now. It does matter where you position yourself."
0: And the wizard and sorceress can, uh, via the shift time spell, reverse the order that the tiles were changing colors in, and so if you. If you do that, if you time that well, you could really screw over the other player by uh, extending the amount of time that you have on the light squares in an area that they were expecting to be dark. Again, probably a high-level play move, probably not something not something I personally did, but it's fun to, uh, to see the impact that these spells could have on strategy. Then again, maybe just thinking about these situations uh, proves that they don't really happen. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think that because something like revive is so directly uh, beneficial, um, that's, that's sort of like, I mean, and I know that like you can only use one each, but whenever I was thinking of like, oh, I need to cast a spell right now, it was something like that direct, like, oh, I just need to revive and not like, hmm, well, I, it's it's actually going into the middle phase now from my direction, so I need to make it come back to my direction. I was never thinking that 4D about it, but it's cool that it's there.
1: Yeah, I think the most, like quote-unquote, 4D I ever got with the way I was thinking was with the exchange um, spell, which lets you just swap out literally any two players on the board, like switch them with each other. So sometimes I would be like, okay, I know that the that the... The day night cycle is going if I'm like the dark side, I know the day night cycle is going to be switching towards dark in like two turns, so on this turn, I'm going to switch one of you know my one of my you know my basilisk with whatever's standing right next to there, you know someone that i want to attack on a uh, that's going to be on a light square in a turn later so it's like thinking like that much ahead but i think that if you like if you played this enough and got good at it if, if we treated this like chess and like like how people like love to to play chess and, and get better and find new strategies i think that shift time would be utilized a lot in the way that you're talking about it. i just think it's just a game that no one's ever heard of so like <laughs> so that doesn't happen
2: yeah
0: well, Joe, apparently, actually, it's a very popular game uh, in the early computer scene and is still, like, rated very uh, favorably um, by most of the people. Yeah, most people played this game, so it. it, it we'll get into it in the sequel the spin-off section, but it even got a sequel. So this is one of Electronic Arts, like, first five games ever. Uh, it, it's an, not, obviously, this late 1989, but by then they were a big company. But this game first came out, I think, in either 83 or 84 and so um, EA now EA bad but uh, back then you know they were getting started it's like obviously they had to get some big games uh, on their initial lineup and Archon was considered a very big game
2: they were the champions of the people
0: well since we were talking about it on the sequels and spinoff side uh archon 2 adept is uh the name the subtitle of that game this game kind of had a subtitle too just not on the nes version it's not on the box but the uh
2: the light versus dark or something yeah
0: yeah the light and the dark or something like that on the uh on all the computer versions i guess they just thought like no, Archon's clear enough for what the game is. Uh, we don't <laughs> need the subtitle on the NS. Who knows why they didn't include it, but it's worth mentioning. Also, Adept here is the uh, is the subtitle on the sequel, and Adept introduces resource management in the form of magic. Magic is gained by having pieces on power points, and um, then you can spend that those magic points on moves or by casting spells. Uh, summoning a spell uh, or an elemental or a demon or you put those pieces on the board and then it uh basically incurs a per turn upkeep cost so therefore you know the whole resource oh, management wow. thing okay. yeah you have to <laughs> think about like you know okay so i have my uh fire elemental on the board but i'm gonna run out of it in two turns and then it's gonna be done with uh do we I get this the kind of- NES? We, I don't think we get this on the NES. I think this is computer only. It was released long before um, 1989. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we'll be seeing it because they probably would have just taken this one, right? I would think so. Yeah, so uh, you if you do want to play it, the Amiga, as always, everything is on the Amiga. If there's one thing <laughs> I've learned, that there's like 3,000 video games on the Amiga. The Commodore 64, Apple II, ZX Spectrum. Th- you know, these are just things that, i feel like are much more european we didn't we didn't really have exposure you should have said zx spectrum (laughs) right right uh the amstrad cpc it's like nobody owned that in america right
2: i thought the amstrad (laughs) cpc was like a military device
0: (laughs) right yeah yeah the atari uh 800 it's like nobody had that now that (laughs) i know was in america but nobody had that
2: you silly goose
0: and also an updated version of this very game has been announced uh, for Joe to immediately purchase <laughs> exclusively <laughs> for release on the Intellivision Amico, which means you will uh, never see it, Joe. Yeah, uh, it'll man, never happen. It. I think it was on the
1: Switch or something. I was like, i am download that right, right now. Pre-order yeah. right
0: now. I didn't know that they could get those kinds of exclusives for Intellivision Amico, <laughs> but also they seem to do a really good job of never releasing this damn thing and just taking Kickstarter money. So I don't think we're going to see this. Archon ha was ported through Infinity to like all like even more recent mobile phones and stuff like that. Like it is, it is something that gets ported every now and again. So there probably are more like modern hardware to play it on than the NES. Maybe the computer versions, of the computer's more advanced or whatever. These are things I didn't look into for this part of the sequels and spinoff section because I uh was more interested in that whole Adept system that they introduced in the second one. Cute. So I don't have any like you know. Cute words or anything to tee up the essential games list uh you know when no like meets its match, no checkmate system or anything like that, so instead I think we're just gonna go into it with the essential games list Sean, your vote
2: so um i I' I, I really think that this is a a, a very unique game. Uh, as much as we kept calling out uh, chess or tactics games in general, uh, I, I think that this sort of... I've never seen anything really like this before. Like the closest analog that I could find to a game that matches this in spirit is like Blood Bowl, which is trying to be like a warhammer version of american football which i always uh enjoyed and and this sort of like remix stuff i i always i'm always into it and i've had nitpicks here and there i the 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 actual the actual like real-time battles are are a little simple and can be janky at times but i i think that there's enough going on in this like cocktail of weird game te- uh weird weird game features um that I would say I I'm going to vote to put this on the essential games list.
0: And that's one vote. It needs one more. Joe, your vote.
1: So, I mean, no secret that I definitely really enjoyed this game. I feel like the there's just so many elements that all work together in ways that like that create just countless types of strategy. I mean, it just gets very layered, way more layered than I thought it was going to be when I first picked it up. I mean, I thought it was just going to be chess, like, with slightly different rules. Um, not saying that that wouldn't be layered, but it would just be chess. Like, you know, but this is this did its own thing. It made something totally different. And I love the way that the strategy interacts with the, the actual video game, like, action gameplay element of it. And yes, the, um, like collision jankiness aside like that that is a fly i think that the i mean personally and i know that not everybody agreed here but like personally i thought that the um the action stuff controlled pretty well for for what it needed to be if it was a whole game based on that i would want i would want a lot more you know polish on those parts but just the way they work together, the amount the amount that I was thinking about this game after playing it and, like, thinking, like, well, what could I do with different strategies and just the idea, like, you know, I'm not even that good at this game, but the idea that I could play it a lot and, like, really, it could, like, I could really come up with, like, new ways to play and strategy and, you know, play against other people and see how how that works. Um, I am also going to put this on, you know, vote for this to be on the Essential Games list, so... Uh, one of the more unique experiences. I'm going to pass it
0: on to Mike before I say the word strategy one more time. <laughs> and two votes means that it is on the Essential Games list. So after a very long drought of, let's see, this is episode 238. In fact, Xanadu was 207. So, I mean, wow, that's like 31. Yeah, 31 episodes to get the next one. But we got there. Uh, I will just add even though my vote doesn't mean anything that I am way less enthused about this game than you guys I didn't think that the battle system was all that impressive or even like fun so for me like that alone took me out of the game because otherwise it is just kind of like thinking about pieces on the board and I, I can have a better time with chess uh, I would just like to add that I wasn't comparing this game to chess uh, in the traditional sense of like two games. I was making it a, a grounding point of like, well, we can talk about chess and then we can talk about this for people who aren't playing these games along with us at the same time. I definitely think there's a much more unique game than chess. In fact, even just the ability to cast spells and, um, and the PowerPoint squares and the light and dark shifting, that is all like incredibly interesting things. I just don't think the actual moment-to-moment gameplay was anything all that special. Uh, I, f- I found it kind of tedious to even just continue to go through those uh, top down battles, uh, those real time action battles. So I can't put it on the Essential Games list, but it is there. There's nothing I can do about it. So it is on the Essential Games list. And we'll uh, see if we can get another one on next week with the Battle of Olympus, a game that I think is, I think this is the one that sometimes is compared to Zelda 2. Oh,
2: boy. So, no, you know, that's, that I'll vote it right, right, right now. Go I was right, right say, on. That <laughs>
0: just, you know, open up some more wounds while we're talking about the Essential <laughs> Games list. So who knows, either Battle of Olympus will get on the Essential Games list and will upset Zelda 2 people, or Battle of Olympus won't get on the Essential Games list and will upset Zelda 2 people.
2: <laughs> I can't wait.
0: All that to say, we also have um, our Nostalgia Bites episode, uh, the Portopia Serial Murder Case. Uh, Nostalgia Bites are Japanese Famicom games usually you don't need any uh japanese knowledge to play these games technically you still don't because this is a translation patch but it is a patch it is a cheat we're just trying it out once just to see if people like it we
2: make the rules here
0: right but you know i figured we'd let everybody know that it's not gonna be a regular thing you're not gonna have to uh you know get on the internet and download translation patches all the time Uh, we have seven or now eight other episodes that are completely like just Famicom games that you could buy on eBay right now, plop them into your Famicom and never need to know a lick of Japanese. So you have those. But if you want to listen to this episode and you're like, wait a minute, I never heard of Nostalgia Bites. That's because it's for our Patreon page, patreon.com Nostalgia. For just $5 a month, you get access to a whole nother podcast uh, that is a monthly basis. So right now we're in month nine. Where are you at everybody? You know, We're waiting for you. We got people on our discord uh, chatting it up with us. And all of the proceeds from the Patreon go into cool stuff like uh, the Nostalgia website, uh, nostalgiacast.com. We can't host that if people don't uh, give us money. We refuse to. So <laughs> give us money and let us host the website. It's a win win situation. <laughs>